Hi there, this is Bill Woods, and uh, I just wanted to come and visit with you for a few minutes tonight about some things I think are important. I've had a lot of people say, oh, I feel so sorry for you down there in Arizona, hot as it is. Well, it's 90 degrees right now. It's 8 o'clock on, no, on uh, July the 8th, and it is 90, but in Phoenix right now, I just, as I came out, they were saying on the television set that it was 110, some places 112. And I, we will clean up or cool down up here. It'll get down to like 49 or, or, or lower. And uh, it'll be nice sleeping weather. We can sleep with the windows open and stuff. So don't feel too sorry for me. We're doing all right. Well, anyhow, I want to talk to you tonight about uh, a woman seduced by the good life. We read in Genesis chapter 19, 12 through 26. Meanwhile, the angels questioned Lot, Do you have any other relatives here in the city? They asked. Get them out of this place, your sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else. For we are about to destroy this city completely. The outcry against this place is so great, it has reached the Lord and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, Quick, get out of this city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out right now or you'll be swept away in the destruction of the city. Well, when Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, of, uh, for the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, Run for your lives and don't look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you'll be swept away. I will take a minute to say the angel said, don't look back. Oh, my Lord, Lot begged, you have been so gracious to me and saved my life, and you have shown such great kindness, but I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there, and I would soon die. Soon there is, uh, see, there is a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. All right, the angel said, I'll grant your request. I will not destroy the little village, but hurry. Escape to it, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. This explains why that village was known as Zoar, which means little place. Lot reached the village just as the sun was rising over the horizon. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping them out all and wiping all the people and every bit of vegetation. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. Now, I want to say she was told not to look back, but she looked back and she paid the price. We always pay the price for disobedience to God. Her role in history is summed up in 19 Old Testament words. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Just 19 words in this translation. 
There's 12 words in the King James Version. One sentence, a whole life, condensed down to 12 words. In the New Testament, Jesus summed her up too. In this one, it's the shortest verse in the Bible in Luke chapter 17, verse 32. In King James, it says, Remember Lot's wife. Just three words. Why should we remember Lot's wife? Why not remember Sarah or Esther or Deborah? Jesus said, Remember Lot's wife. What did Jesus want us to remember about her? What kind of lady that she was? Uh, we don't know even what her name was. Just Lot's wife. Most people, or most women, don't want to be known just as a wife. They'd rather be known as themselves, not just a tag-along or a tonto. Uh, for years, Marty hated to go to my home church, Church of the Nazarene in Walla Walla, Washington, uh, because she was constantly asked, aren't you Billy's wife? Now, you do not call me Billy, but I grew up there, and that was the name that I picked up when I was just a little kid and couldn't shake it when I went back there. We're seeing the disappearance of Mrs. and the better half. Women prefer being a whole person, not just a half a couple. I don't know how Lot's wife felt about this. I'd feel better if we knew her name. Then we could say, remember Edith, or remember Beulah, or remember Hannah. Instead, all we know is Lot's wife. But maybe that's exactly what she was, a wife. She might have been one of those rare but much-needed women whose only goal in life is to be a wife and a mother. I think that's one of the most noble occupations in the world. Society is making it sound second-rate, but with God it's still first-rate all the way. And moms and, and uh, mothers and, and wives, I salute you if you do a good job. If that was the goal of Mrs. Lott, to be a good mother and a good wife, she failed at both. She was poor wife and a worse mother. How did her life turn out so badly? Well, I don't think she intended to fail. It wasn't her ambition to destroy her family and leave such a bad example for us to remember 4,000 years later. I'm sure she must have wanted to do better, but like most wives, she probably started out with a higher hope, and she probably wanted to make something out of her husband Lot, who was so overshadowed by Uncle Abraham. She probably saw potential in him and hoped to help him succeed, to help him get self-esteem, not just Abraham's nephew, but Lot, a leader. Well, what about her daughters? Most moms want the best for their daughters. She want, most moms want to provide them opportunities that they never had to make something of themselves. They, they want their daughters to succeed. I remember when Marty was in the hospital, well, with both girls. Uh, I remember coming in and, and Marty Spacey, the first one with Tammy, she was sitting there overwhelmed at the responsibility that was going to be hers to raise this little girl for Jesus Christ. And I can remember she was tears down her face and she was making a commitment to God. I'm going to do my best to teach this little girl how to love Jesus. And then she did the same thing with Kimberly. And she was very devout in trying to make sure that our girls learned all they could about Jesus Christ and about their need for a Savior. And I want you to know, whatever age your kids are, they're not too young 
to get started learning about God and his plan for their lives. In fact, if you get them before they're five years old, they're very, very open to the things where they can find out that God is love and Jesus loves them and they need to give their hearts and lives to Jesus. Well, I'm pretty sure Lot's wife must have hoped for, for good things for their daughters. But she failed as a wife and as a mother. She is only remembered as a failure. Jesus even reminded us to remember her failure, remember Lot's wife. Well, how did this happen? What ruined her example? I think it was a simple family decision that she and Lot made, and what an important decision it was. Was it that which God deserved? No. Which doctrine to believe? Some great theological issue? What was the important decision that destroyed her witness? It was a decision about where to live. A simple family decision, but oh so important. You know, we all make decisions. Uh, should we live in the country or in the city? Should we live in an apartment or buy a house? Should we buy a house, rent a house, or build our own? Should we get a fixer-upper or build a new one? Should we move near our work or stay here? Maybe we should just stay here and add on to this house. And on and on. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Family decisions. Ordinary decisions. But oh, so important. But where did Mr. and Mrs. Lot go wrong? Was it they made a simple family decision the wrong way? They ignored the massive moral consequences involved in a simple decision about where to live. Sodom was a very wicked city. How did Lot and his wife make this decision? Well, I wonder if they prayed about it. You know, if you're going to make a decision, you need to talk to God about it because he knows what is best. But how did the Lots decide where they wanted to live? Did Lot even ask his wife? Did he even pray? If he asked his wife, we don't know what she said. But her later actions hint at what she might have said. Maybe they took some papyrus and jotted down the pros and the cons for this decision. Did they consider the educational angle? I mean, the thriving big city of Sodom offered a number of educational advantages for their daughters. Chalk up one vote for Sodom. After all, what kind of education could their girls get wandering around in the academically deprived mountains or desert chasing sheep and goats? Did they consider the material advantages? I mean, they were already rich. In fact, that was why Lot and Abraham had to split up because both were too rich and too big in order for the land to support both of them at once. But besides rich, there's richer. What good is all the wealth in all the, wild in the wilderness out there? The value of wealth is in spending and consuming in the city there. They could invest the wealth they earned as shepherds using the leverage it gave them and make some really big bucks in Sodom. Even more important, in Sodom there were beautiful houses, not just drafty old dusty tents. There were shops, supplies, silks, entertainment, dining out, shopping, mall, you know, going to the malls and stuff. To them, Sodom was, clearly, Sodom was clearly the best choice. Make that two votes for Sodom. Maybe they considered job advancement. How can you climb up the ladder in the wilderness?
in Sodom, Lot could raise up to in the world and really make something of himself. Maybe he'd be a civic leader, perhaps even get elected to the town council. Her wandering husband, Abraham's Tonto, might finally become the leading citizen in such a city and be recognized for his own merit, not just the fact he worked with Abraham. Now, wouldn't that be a good witness for God if Lot could uh, better himself? Think of the opportunities that he'd have. But you know, no matter how you cut it, Sodom made good sense materially. So one more vote for Sodom. Or maybe they thought about the move socially. The isolated mountains were very lonely. Perhaps Lot's wife was getting cabin fever, or I guess you'd call it tent fever in her case. She longed for social companionship, just to be with other women, to go to potlucks and class parties and have neighbors over for coffee, all the things you don't do out in the wilderness. Was she tired of the boring sameness of her life? There was the same old lot. He's nice, but oh, so boring. Same jokes all the time. Same questions all the time. Always repeating the same old worn out things. You know, some, then there was the same two daughters. Uh, same hired hands, same old smelly sheep. Same goat, same tent, same, same, same. Cooped up, lonesome, lonely. What a drag, Mrs. Lot thought she had to go through. In Sodom, there were people, new people, exciting people, lots of people. Hustle, bustle, busy people. There'd be other women to visit, women to talk to at the market and at the well. Maybe a woman's sewing group to join. Get in on the latest juicy gossip. Besides all this, there were her daughter's social lives to think about. They'd soon be old enough to get married, and what prospects were there out in the wilderness? What kind of mother would hide two beautiful daughters in the mountains with the fine men around, or just with no men around, excuse me, except hired hands? Score Sodom floor, wilderness zero. Who knows what other angles they considered to make this decision. We don't know if they thought about these things, but if they did, you can easily see why they pitched their tent towards Sodom. I'm sure there was also greed involved when Abraham told Lot to pick the part of, uh, of the choice, make choice on which area he would settle with his flocks. And he looked and he saw how rich and green and well watered that section of the land was that contained Sodom. He decided he would move there. They moved into a pleasant modern house inside Sodom and finally wound up becoming Sodom's leading citizens. So what was wrong with their decision? I mean, aren't educational and material things important? Is it that God doesn't want us to prosper? No, that's not it at all, but God wants to be first. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things you need will be added unto you. Well, what's wrong with thinking about career advancement or social life and making a family move? Nothing. It's what Lot and his wife left out of their decision-making process that really was what mattered, the spiritual values. To people looking on, it seemed like Lot and his wife made a sensible choice. I mean, a practical family decision with grave moral consequences. 
They just fail to consider the spiritual impacts of their choice. What good is a fine education for your daughters if they wind up sexually seducing your husband and their dad? What good is material advancement if it all gets destroyed by fire anyway? What good is a varied and exciting social life if your daughters are engaged to godless men? What good is climbing the career ladder if it leads to spiritual coolness and compromise? These are the things that the Lot's failed to weigh carefully. So Lot's wife was seduced by the good life. What she forgot was how powerful the attraction of the good life would affect her. She thought of the good life that would satisfy something. She wanted it to meet her inner cravings, to fill a deep hunger in her life, to have, to hold, to live well, to be comfortable, to be, a, be secure. Was this too much to ask? So Lot's wife moved to Sodom and gradually, almost without notice, Sodom took a firm, Sodom took a firm grip on her. Her mind became secularized. Her values became even more materialistic. When God sent two angels to warn them that he was about to destroy, to destroy Sodom, she wouldn't believe it. She couldn't leave all this. She didn't control her, her stuff. Her stuff controlled her. The angels had to take them by the hand and literally drag them out of the city. She was now safe, at least for the moment, a woman forcefully dragged away from everything she owned and loved, everything she'd worked for all those years. Now they were left behind. Her house, her garden, her flowers, her backyard, her friends, a stature in the community, furniture, dishes, fine clothing, everything she loved and held dear. It was all going to go up in smoke. One of the angels warned, Flee for your lives. Don't look back. It was a useless warning to Lot's wife. Her fear of God was gone. Like so many today, she loved the good life more than the godly life. Her heart now belonged to Sodom. Don't look back. But her heart was behind her. What will she do? She looked back, and she was frozen into a pillar of salt. Two thousand years later, Jesus would say, remember Lot's wife. He was reminding us that a simple family decision can have grave moral consequences and that when you move into Sodom, Sodom has a way of moving into you. In Mark 8:36, it says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Well, there it is. Now you have it. Nothing is more important than having a right relationship with God. This involves repenting of your sins, confessing your sins to Christ, asking His forgiveness, and living a life led by God's Holy Spirit, seeking God's will above everything else. Matthew 6, 33 and 34, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Listen, I want you to know something. You are, are, are to hang on loosely to the things you have and to hang on tightly to fellowship with God. You know, so many times we look at all the goodies we have, the 
new cars, the fine homes, and all these things. But we're all going to have to leave those things behind. And what are they going to mean to us a hundred years from now? Not a blessed thing. And so the most important decision you can make is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and live for God and put aside all the things that would get in the way of your serving Him. Don't be seduced by the good life when there's a better life waiting for you for all eternity. Thank you for listening. I'm praying that each one of you will make a decision to serve Jesus Christ. I, I'm warning you that if you don't, if you end up facing God with sin in your life, you're going to face hell forever and ever and ever. And that is not something that you want to do. I want you to meet me in heaven and we will stand around the throne of God and praise him for all the good things that he's provided for us. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'll be with each one that's listened to this podcast. It's so easy to get bogged down in this world, to forget that this is just temporary, that one of these days you're going to call us home, and we want to be ready when you do, Lord, so we might serve you. And so, Lord, we might hear you say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into those things that are provided for those who love me. And not to hear, depart from me. I never knew you. I pray, God, that you'll help us to be straightforward with you. Not hide anything that would d diminish our relationship with you. But to be completely open and serve you with all our hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, you know how to get a hold of me lowercase for the email r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com my mailing address is William Woods box 4031 Sun Valley Arizona 86029 and I've got the podcast which is there's still power no it's the Church of the Galilean you hit that first and then when you go there, there'll be several choices. Hit the one that says there's still power in the blood or has my name there. And that will get you to whatever sermons that I've put on podcast for the last several months. Also, you know, if you wanted to uh, just reach out and say, would you pray for me or would you help me to be able to understand what it is that God wants for me, don't forget that you can contact me and I will be available and I will be praying for you. God bless you and uh, I hope that this is a blessing for you today. Goodbye.